Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. If you just put your money into, I think, like index bonds, um, you'll you'll have your money be ten, worth 10 times what it is in 30 years. Yep. Um, adjusted for the rate of inflation. It's not but it's very a boring, lot, Nikki. But it's very boring to super, do that right super now. Super, super boring. It's not sexy. It's, it's not that fun. It does not make me horny. Yeah, you don't get to go to Taco My nipples tonight. do not get erect from it. Exactly. However, think of yourself 30 years from now. She's going to be like, thank fuck you didn't buy exactly. that latest makeup palette. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Shit They Don't Tell You. Today we are talking about debt. Oh yeah, I'm Nikki Limo. I'm Steve Green. Mm, just Steve Green. Steve Green, what you know about debt? Uh, I know that I used to be in debt. Yeah, same. And the internet thinks that you got me out of debt. That's hilarious. It's so funny. Can I still take credit even though I did not get no, Steve you out of debt? <laughs> it's so funny how people who watch YouTube videos extrapolate information it's got to be just a small sector of people of though, course because it is. there was a small sector of people that thought that i just married you for your money too which is like that's super funny too uh, that's not true at all wildly wealthy though uh, i married him after you got out of a thirteen thousand dollar irs debt that's correct so at least i didn't inherit a thirteen thousand dollar bill Thanks. but definitely didn't marry you for for your money definitely not i married you for your big personality thank you giant personality i got with you because you're fun okay we don't have to go over it okay uh you can watch any other episode to hear steve praise me um today we're talking about debt yeah and uh we did a money management episode uh we also did a credit card episode with joe sakawa and during the money management episode you had suggested that i read total money makeover or maybe you said Something about my way of getting out of debt was similar to Dave Ramsey's. Yes. So Dave Ramsey is a person that I have listened to in passing for years now because when I'm driving, I'll just like throw it on and kind of listen to how I find I find money management very interesting. Obviously, I am uh, one of my passions is the crypto space Mm -hmm. and uh, the way that you manage your money. Not that not that I'm saying that he talks about crypto, but it's about. You know, it's about in- investing and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I just have tuned in. I think in what him. you're talking about is financial literacy, which is why exactly. 
I, I it, financial literacy or lack thereof, I feel like is something that is crippling this country, mm-hmm. uh, America in particular, yes. the United States of America. Um, and it's alarming, one, uh, because it doesn't have to do with your intelligence, which I find is like most things like where you are in life. I feel like, you know, if you're smarter, you're kind of better off. But financial literacy is just a category that you could have a Ph.D. or be like very, very smart in many aspects. But in the financial literacy aspect, uh, you just don't seem to be. Yeah, smart people go broke all the time. Right. right, and then uh, and uh, similarly on the opposite end of the spectrum, I've known high school dropouts that are millionaires. You know, yep. because this financial literacy thing, uh, financial literacy is defined as the ability to understand and properly apply financial management skills, effective financial planning, properly managing debt, accurately calculating interest, and understanding the time value of money. Or understanding the time value of money are characteristics of being financially literate. Yeah, and I think that it's. You know, it's it's really just an opportunity, right? Because everyone always says, "I'm gonna do the, I'll, I'll get get around to this." Yeah, like setting up a financial plan, like actually sitting down and going, "I want to make, I want to be a millionaire by the time that I'm retired," or any of that stuff. But they don't really know the intrinsics of how that works, right? Right? Or they they they're like, "I don't have time to figure all that out right now." Yeah, it feels like a wall. Like it's like just. Ugh, I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, and that's what really yeah. what it is. It's, it's fear. It's like, I, oh, that seems like so much work. I don't want to do it. Yeah, and uh, I think that the beliefs that you were raised with and or have picked up about money directly influence your habits and how you've managed it. And if we want to go into like a semi-conspiracy theory, I think it's by design. Because wouldn't you know that companies make way more money having you owe them money that's right then if you were to figure out how to responsibly pay them back i mean there's a reason why you know you remember that story a couple months ago that credit card company was like partying in the caymans i don't know i don't know but i don't doubt it but the idea basically is that you know while you suffer yeah you're in debt you you, like you're paying these exorbitant rates yeah which you agreed to right yeah, but but, still, they, but no one teaches you how exactly. like what the right thing to do is. They prey what on you, you mostly hear is like, well, everybody has debt. Everyone has some sort of debt. Right. There's good debt. There's bad debt. You know, like the good debt helps you make money, right? And like, there's all these these things that you hear and these things that are normal and average to hear. And everyone just is kind of kind of got okay with being fucking in debt, like loads of debt, which it does not have to be the case. Loads of politicians are owned by Barclays and all these big credit card companies. So yeah, it's it's very much ingrained into our system. Yeah, and it's some shit they don't tell you, mm-hmm. which is why we're talking about it now. Um, so one aspect of of financial literacy is debt, and this book, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey, is about his strategy of getting out of debt and getting out of debt quickly and never going back into debt. And I read the book in its entirety. And I'm going to go over it and then give you my opinions on it. So we'll talk about what he says and then I'll give you my opinions on it. I can only really give you opinions on the things that I've experienced in this process Mm -hmm. uh, because there are some things that he mentions that I haven't I haven't tried out yet. So I really can't give you my full opinion on it. Um, And also just like, you know, take it take it with a grain of salt because like he's a millionaire. So even if I disagree with something like. I'll tell you why, but yeah, you, you know, disagree with uh, somebody who's it, <laughs> fabulously wealthy as a result exactly, of his own program. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So he's got the proof in the pudding. I'm just a, I'm just a freaking noob giving an, an opinion. But I will tell you, like my my actual thoughts. For the most part, I agree with it. So yeah. 
there's that. A little background on Dave. So uh, Dave was uh, born in Tennessee. He graduated from the College of Business Administration, where he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in finance and real estate. So as a real estate investor, he actually became a millionaire really, really early. Like he was, uh, he had four million in the bank by 1986. He was like 26 years old or something like that. I forget. Uh, it doesn't really doesn't really say his age, but uh, I remember he was in his 20s. Um, but then he got sued and um, a bunch of like unfortunate events happened to him. And it wasn't he, he he himself has said that he built this fortune on a house of cards. Basically, he built it in real estate, but it was through lots of borrowing and loans and all the stuff that he was told he was supposed to do. Yeah. And he ended up losing everything within three years. And he had a newborn child or toddler, a, chi- a new child. He was in a new marriage, you know, and uh, and just had to file for bankruptcy, which is like, wow, that's how much fear do you have when yeah. you when that happens? That Max just makes my heart sink. Um, so then he went on and he developed this program because he had to get himself out of that situation and he became a millionaire again. And so now he's like the second way I did, became a millionaire the right way. And he's sharing his strategies on how he got there. And he's also helped thousands of people uh, achieve a similar thing. He also has a radio program that uh, Steve was talking about called the Dave Ramsey show, um, where he takes like callers and um, gives advice to people. That's basically all I've heard on his him program. do. That's, that's when I listened to it. He's just people because people read the books but then they have questions like you yeah yeah totally and then he uh yeah he he advises them and stuff because he gives like um he gives a lot of examples but it's pretty general you know um so if you have a specific thing where you're like well i can't tell from the book do i do this or this um you can call in and he'll give you advice on that which i'll go over once i go through the the system you'll understand the the points where it's like oh I would have a tough time deciding between these two priorities. He also does this thing called the debt-free screen, where when people are finally debt-free, they come into his studio, or I guess now they're on the phone, but yeah. they scream, we're debt-free, out loud, and I have to turn it off every time because it's so fucking <laughs> it's so loud. loud and annoying. You know how I get with <laughs> But noises. if you were out of debt finally after being- Oh yeah, these people know. were in hell. Some of them are like, this took three years, and we didn't go out to eat once, and we were just like putting our noses down, and yeah. but they did it. And like they're they're on baby step like seven and they're on their way to becoming millionaires and shit. Like yeah. Cool. So what Steve's talking about with baby steps is Dave Ramsey has like a series of I think it's like ten baby steps and it breaks down it breaks it down so that you can have a realistic plan for getting out of debt. And what I like about the book is it's a really fast read because most of it is just story after story after story of specific people that use the system and got out of debt, which is really great if you're you know struggling and tr- and you're trying to get the stuff done you're like does this even work you know yeah, yeah, yeah. you read the stories and then you're like okay i'm you stay motivated because that's some- what i've always liked about listening to him is that he always has like i'll hear a single mom call in he's like how much do you make a year he's like how much can you afford to put aside right now and what are your what are your bills yeah and he's just very practical just bullet goes through it it's very relatable for sure um he does have a Christian perspective, which some people are like, oh, I don't know, it's religious. But he doesn't really use it that much. Well, I don't understand the the criticism over I didn't even know religion. That. Yeah, he, well, because he talks about, you know, purpose and God and stuff. And I'm like, good for you. Like, you found a purpose through religion. Like, sure. people find their purposes through many different ways. But for him, it's um, uh, Christianity. And, like, some people get, like, weird about it. I'm like, why? If, if, like, that's two separate things. Like, he's helping you make, like, get out of debt. 
Well, and it's not. Who cares I don't know, how? Yeah. He didn't. He doesn't say like go join a church and then you'll get out of debt. Like right. he doesn't say that. He gives like really practical steps. He's just like motivated through, you know, purpose. Hey, look. I yeah. mean, it probably. You know, I know people who tend to be more religious tend to be more charitable. So maybe there's. You know. Yeah, there's. He talks about that too. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I feel like sometimes, uh, or at least sometimes when I've brought him up, people are like, Ugh, he's like this religious person, and they write oh. him off, and I'm like, what? How, like how do you he's just write being a financial off? person though. I know. Weird. Right. <laughs> I know, weird. Anyway, so the people book... can't wait to write people off though, just real quick. I know. It's like that's... even if somebody's giving good advice, it's like, well, I heard this thing, and so it's like So okay. then that discounts everything they're saying. Yeah, for... I'm like, dude, I mean That's why I had to mention it, because I just don't like the whole like casting a label on someone and then that's their whole identity it was to never you. For me. Yeah. Okay, because he doesn't really bring it up that much. Like... I never even heard him bring it up. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So total money makeover. Here we go. Here I'm going to give you what it is and then I'm going to give you my opinions. So he starts off the book by destroying uh, myths around credit card usage and debt, um, specifically like buying a bunch of shit you don't need to impress people you don't like, the keeping up with the Joneses mentality that I feel like a lot of Americans um, succumb to, um, which I didn't really, I wasn't raised that way. So I didn't I didn't have those beliefs in me, but now being around a lot of people, especially in Los Angeles, um, many people operate this way. Mm -hmm. Like I have friends that have fuck tons of debt, like way a bunch of like student loan debt. More than but, don't. How about that? But they're like, I have to buy new furniture every year. And I'm like, what? That's like a new couch is like 2000 bucks. Yeah. But like they, but they just feel like they need the newest thing every yeah. year and like i think it's because people think it'll fill this void of happiness that's yeah. my theory on no that. we convince ourselves of certain things yeah right? like we all have certain routines certain practices that we convince ourselves fulfills our soul meter a little bit yeah and sometimes we even just lean on that and use it as an excuse to spend money on something we don't need to and look i have that too but Who not doesn't? um but not to the degree of like uh destruction where i'm personal yeah destruction. where i'm willing to get in thousands of dollars more of debt on top of the debt I already have just to try and, and fulfill if that. if you are doing that, we're not trying to attack you. No. We're talking about how to deal with it and hopefully use it for you. Yeah, and just like the, this, the, the first part of this book is just like helping you question that part of you. You know, like just helping you like take a look at your reflection and like, do I like that? Is that making me truly happy? Or would I be a lot happier if I was out of debt? And that's it's like, like Marie Kondo. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to get out of debt. You don't have to clean your house. Or, like, get, you don't have to get rid of a bunch of clutter, but would it make you happy if you did? Probably. And I think that this is important, this first part of the book, because mindset is everything. Like, if you, people are always like, but how, 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 yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. do I get out of debt? Yeah. How do I, how do I become a millionaire? How, 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 how? But if you don't have the basic mindset that gives you the habits that is going to continuously keep you going you're gonna slip it doesn't matter if a million people tell you the exact steps of how it's not gonna happen for you because you're just gonna you're just gonna go back to your unhealthy mindset it's like being on a crash diet instead of forming good lifestyle changes right you know um so i like i really appreciate that this was in the in the front of the book because I, I do think I do believe him that he's helped a lot of people by drilling this mindset up front because you have to commit like it's gonna be hard and um, he has this motto that is if you live like no one else 
later you can live like no one else. Meaning if you make the sacrifices now that most people aren't willing to make, later you can live like they'll never be able to. And they'll wonder like why. Like sometimes when you start living this way, people will make fun of you because they're like, oh, you're driving like a really beat up car. Like your living situation is shitty. What do you mean you can't go out to eat? It's Friday night. Yeah. We all just got paid. There's a lot of peer pressure, like crabs in a bucket mentality going on. But if you can, if you know what your end goal is, and that's why mindset is so important, then you're not going to let that take you off the path. And a lot of that is just people going, wait, am I supposed to feel guilty about this? Yeah, it's their own projection. Right. It's like, you know, it's like it's like going on a diet. It's like anything, you mm-hmm. know, people make fun of you and like, oh, you can't you can just gonna eat salad. You know, it's happened to everybody, everybody. Yeah. So this is just a money version of that. Um, he also talks about how there's no such thing as good credit. Credit is basically evil. Um, you should pay for everything in cash, including your cars and your houses. You know, a lot of people just think that it's normal to just always have a car payment. One of the, the myths that uh, he talks about that I believe was or the reason I bought a car and um, had payments was that I wanted to build my credit. And he talks about like if you have enough cash, you don't really need to build your credit. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about my opinions on that a little bit. But um, and a couple other things that he mentions in this first part is, um, you know, when most millionaires don't use debt the way people think they do. In fact, 75% of the Forbes 400 said the, be- the best way to build wealth is to become and stay debt free. Um, he also says to never co-sign on a loan because you'll probably end up paying for it or you're going to hurt your credit score when the other person doesn't pay for it. It's a um, huge financial risk. Yeah. it's it, Basically, if you're going to co-sign on a loan with somebody, the reason the bank is not giving them the loan or giving them a good rate on the loan is because they're they not trust trustworthy. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So be prepared so, to pay that loan. So then your friend or family member is basically going to you and saying like, hey, I need you to like be my shield. Yeah. And then you really are their shield if something goes down. Yeah. Like that's what's And it scary. destroys relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Like even even lending a friend um like 50 bucks, like sometimes they'll stop talking to you if they can't pay pay you back because yeah. they feel so guilty that they can't pay you back and then it ruins your whole relationship. Yep. It's like you think you're helping them out, but you're not really you're not really like you're actually destroying your relationship with them probably. Exactly. Um and then also uh not using cash advance places. Um because the interest is bananas on that. You are not getting a good deal. They bank on you like not being able to pay them. It's it's not good. It's no bueno. Get away from that as soon as possible. And then if you, also, you can, yeah. Also talking about never leasing a car or buying new. A new car loses 60% of its value in the, four, in the first four years. And uh, leasing a car is designed to have you cover the loss in value of that car, basically, the, that you're going to have to turn back into the dealer and then they sell to somebody and they never lose any money on it. You basically paid for that car for I've never them. gotten into leasing for that reason. Yeah, I've never leased a car either for that reason. Um, I've never understood it at all. I mean, no it, one in my family does it, so maybe, I don't know. So... I have friends who do it, and they are addicted to getting the new car, and yeah, so they're basically paying a premium so that they can get the they can get the trade in car. That's what I'm talking about. I think it's the beliefs you were raised with, because since no one in my family or friend group has ever leased a car, and they've all been like, "Nah, it's the worst thing you could do." Um, I've always, I've never thought about how, always Same. having the newest car. I got lucky on but that one. But here in LA, all of their friends are like, um, "I want to have the newest new," yeah. and that's just how they were raised. Um, like. Having the newest new means you're doing well. It's like an image. It's an optics thing. It's a keeping up with the Jones, Joneses thing. Exactly. Okay. So 
here's one of my opinions on that first part. Um, I agree and disagree. I agree that this is a great mentality to have, especially the mindset. If you have bad habits and you put stuff on credit without having the cash to back it up, or you don't have the discipline to pay the full thing off every month, then yeah, credit cards are a really bad idea for you. Uh, you probably won't build your credit if you don't have the habit of paying it off. You'll probably destroy your credit. And by the way, we're two anything. people who have credit cards. So we like, do, yeah. We're saying all this is best practices. It's not well, like- Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, mindset is the biggest part for sure. People want to know um, how, but then they, you know, if you don't have that, you're going to go back. Um, but learn the habits of only spending with cash first, because once you get that down, then if you want to open a credit card or get extra points or whatever, and this is against- Dave Ramsey, this is why this is the part I disagree with because I, I do have credit cards, but I pay them off twice a month. Like I pay the full balance off every month, and mm -hmm. I pay it twice so that my credit score stays up because you want that low ratio in order to boost your credit score. Right. So, but that was only after paying for everything in cash for years and years and years. And you do it as a plan too, right? Like, yeah, like you plan on only spending a certain amount so you can pay it off every month. Yeah, no it's, it's all budgeted exactly. too. So uh, I, I put my utilities on credit card. I put gas, groceries, things that I was already going to pay for. They're already budgeted into the monthly exactly. account. Um, I just put it on credit card because it boosts my credit score and I get points or cash back or um, swag. I get credit card swag. We talked yeah. about this on Joe Jetsakawa's episode. Um, but I had I, I really did have to develop that habit first, first of paying it off because it's so easy to not pay it off. Yeah. It's so easy to like, you don't see that balance every month. You're not checking it all the time. You're only checking it when you see the bill come in. So it's super easy to forget about it if you're not putting alarms on your phone to pay it off exactly. immediately. Um, so there's that. I think if you have the right mindset, you could open credit cards. Um, but if you start buying a bunch of stuff you can't afford because you want it now and you have to have it, that's when it gets really dangerous. And then, um, on making major purchases, such as buying a car, by the way, I'm really happy that by the time I read this book, my car's paid off, baby. Hey girl, you did it. Both of our cars are paid off. Yep. So we don't have debt on our cars, but I would really have to consider this point if, if my car wasn't paid off, because he kind of suggests selling it if if it's not paid off and then buying a used car that you're paying for in cash. But I fucking love my car so much. Yeah. Um, it makes me happy. And every time I've made a major purchase where I'm like, ooh, it's right on the brink of like, I don't know if I can afford the monthly payments or not. It's always motivated me to make more money. Yeah, that's and, it's, a, and I've always done I've always done that and made more money. But everyone's motivated differently, so I can't use that as general advice for everybody. Well, yeah, because you find yourself in situations where if you do have an opportunity, you're more likely to take it because you need the money right now, or you're you're trying to get extra money. Yeah, and also I brainstorm ways to make more income and yeah. have more passive have more passive streams and just multiple streams of income. And yeah, it just has always made me more creative. Um, I also had my dad co-sign on that loan with me because my credit was shitty. It was really, really bad back then, six yeah. years ago. It was 2013, right? Yeah, and um, I had just, I had, I had credit card debt and I went through a breakup and I didn't have an emergency fund like David Dave Ramsey suggests, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, and I put a lot of stuff, like I put rent on credit card and wow. then I couldn't pay for it because I was laid off of my job. Wow. Yeah. And so my credit got destroyed. I eight years of great credit, perfect credit, excellent credit. And then three months it was destroyed. Hmm. And so my dad, knowing my history and really fucking trusting me and loving me, I love you, dad. 
Um, he has a great credit score and he did co-sign on that loan. But because I have, oh, like just a huge, like I never want to disappoint my dad and that like that would be the end of the world to me to yeah. disappoint my dad. I made sure those payments went through every single month. I never missed one payment in six years. But I'm a, it's case by case, you yeah. know? Do you trust everyone to do that? Do you trust everyone to have daddy issues that like, True. <laughs> they're super scared of disappointing their father? And by the way, yeah. in the early on, it wasn't so easy to, to say you're gonna pay it off every month. I remember no. you, were, you were terrified when you got that car. That fear motivated me yeah. to make a lot of money or make more enough money to pay that, yeah. that car payment. Um, so yeah, that's where I agree and disagree because I'm like, well, I do agree in the general sense. This is really solid advice. And he says, though, doesn't isn't doesn't. No, I haven't read this, but he's saying when you sell your car, it's basically to aggressively pay off your debt, right? Like that. That's just one of the tools to, that you have to do the baby steps. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if you're in tons of debt, then you shouldn't have. A, you shouldn't get into more debt by taking a car loan out and having payments. Exactly. You should. Um, he suggests buying like a like a beater car, like a. A thousand dollar car, yeah, you buy car. that, and then you save enough, enough money that you can uh, sell that car, and then get a two thousand dollar car, and you just kind of keep going up that way. Mm -hmm. But always buy a used car because most of them have were previously just leased cars, so they're still good cars. I believe in that strongly. Yeah, I believe that only too. If I used. were to do it again, I would buy a used car in cash. Yeah, the only the only outlier would be if it was like an electrical car because those batteries can be weird over time. And I just want to I just want to double check on that. But mm -hmm. but yeah, that that's good advice. I think. Mm -hmm. um, he also talks about shifting your mortgage from a thirty year loan to a fifteen year loan, and he uses examples. Uh, he does some math examples. Like if you have if you buy a hundred thirty thousand dollar home, which you take out a hundred and ten thousand dollar loan at seven percent. This book is from two thousand three. Rates are much lower now. Final cost would be two thousand. 30, wait, two hundred thirty-eight thousand five hundred twenty dollars. So, a hundred thousand dollars more plus some of the original cost of the home after thirty years. Um, Why do you think it's a huge industry? Exactly. Oh I mean, my God. Or if you did this at over fifteen years, it would be a hundred ninety-seven thousand eight hundred forty dollars. So the difference is just $256 extra per month. Go with the 15 years. You pay it off 15 years early and you saved like $40,000 in that example. So that's it's great. It's real money, man. It's not just on a piece of paper. That's right? great. That's, that's real money. Yeah. For us, it wouldn't be an extra 250 bucks a month though. So right. it's a little bit different. But he, does, he has mortgage calculators on his site. So you can see like, oh, if I paid an extra $300 a month, how how much sooner would I pay off my loan, and then how much money would I save by in the interest? You know, great. And it's it's pretty good. Like if we paid an extra six hundred bucks a month, we would pay off our loan ten years early and save like four hundred thousand dollars on interest. Jesus, crazy. Okay, I'm gonna take a break right here because after the break, I want to get into what the actual baby steps are yes. in the plan because that was all. I think mindset is the most important part if you don't have that or you're not willing to like get in that mindset then i would stop here you'd be like i love my debt so much i would stop here <laughs> i love my debt i love my debt i'm keeping my debt girl <laughs> scream that in your room <laughs> i love my debt <laughs> today's episode is brought to you by angie angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. <laughs> I have fully 
done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We just want to take a break to tell you to like, thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you want to rate it, that would be really awesome for us. Like, Listen, we're on break. We're not talking to you like podcast hosts right now. We're just talking to you like people. As a friend. And we just want to say, please rate the show because it helps out a huge amounts. Like we're not desperate. We're like kind of desperate. We're giving shout outs right now to all the people who are giving it ratings. So Huge shout out right now to Brian Jorgensen. That was sick of you, dude. Thank you. God bless. Uh, huge shout out right now to Mark, Mark W. in Springfield, Connecticut. Back to our podcast. Jenny Bly. Hey, back to our podcast. In Tuscany, and Florida. back to our podcast. God bless you. Thank you. Steven. Huge. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> okay, so we're back. And you're ready. You made the decision. You're like, I want to get out of debt. I want to scream on Dave Ramsey's show. What are the steps that he talks about in his book, Nikki? Well, let me tell you. I'm going to get to it right now. Okay. He has baby steps. And the first baby step is save $1,000 for, uh, for a baby emergency fund quickly. Quickly is the key thing here. Like, don't, this shouldn't take like a year to save this $1,000. You need to do whatever the fuck you can to get this $1,000 like right now. So sell shit pick up extra work hours, cut extra spending, whatever you got to do, you got to get this money ASAP. The reason being like once you have that padding, it's you're less likely to borrow more debt in the case of an emergency. Um, if you have if you have an emergency but no savings, you will probably open another credit card or put it on your credit card, right? That's what most people do when they get an emergency. Actually, most people don't even have most people in America don't ha- even have $500 in savings. Yeah. Which is bananas, because if an emergency happens, it's definitely going to cost you more than $500. So, this padding gives you a little peace of mind to start your journey. Emphasis on this being for emergencies only, though. So, buying a new sofa on sale is not an emergency. Christmas is not an emergency. Cars- well, let's not. Christmas is not an emergency. It's, an emergency. He goes, it's in December every year. They don't change it. <laughs> 
it's, it's not an emergency. Also, my parents always had this talk with us before Christmas. They'd always set the bar so low. Like, they made it sound like we're never getting any presents ever. Wow. And so I was, like, so thankful to get anything for Christmas. That was the way to do it, man. Dude, my parents would do the opposite. They would, but they would talk it low, and oh. then they would put everything on a fucking credit card. Dang. It's wild. How'd that work out? It was awesome for a couple years. But for the then kids? It bombed out hard later. Yeah, dude, I just have never, I don't think anyone's life has been made or broken by Christmas presents. Like, I never. I, I think that when we got uh, Halo, the first Halo game. Uh-huh, it, may, it changed your life? And my dad also got a big screen TV because he already wanted one anyway, so we got it on Christmas and, like, wrapped it yeah, so we could yeah. unwrap it. That was probably the best fucking Christmas ever, yeah. But did it change your life? No. But it was sick for like it was sick for a year, weeks, right? Many weeks. So I feel yeah, many weeks. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the whole point is that like you ever play first? It's such temporary pleasure. You ever play that first? No, I didn't. You know why? Because I didn't want to get sucked into needing debt. Nice. That's why. <laughs> no, I just think that yeah, teach your kids not to focus on material things, and they'll just. You'll, you'll have a better time, I think. If you, I, especially if you're in debt, you know, if you have tons of money, like go nuts. I don't yeah, know. for real. But um, yeah. So uh, Christmas is not an emergency. Cars need repairs. Uh, children will outgrow clothes. Those should be budgeted for, but they're not emergencies. A job layoff is an emergency. I would say a pandemic is an emergency. Bit, bit. An unforeseen medical situation, or if you have to pay like a deductible on your insurance, that's that's an emergency. But this $1,000 should be liquid cash. Don't put it in a CD. Don't put it in a bond. Don't put it somewhere where you think it's going to gather interest or whatever. No, just it has to be ready and available for you to use at a moment's notice. And I 100% agree with this this thing here. The other thing, I don't know, your mind shifts too. When you go from being in tons of debt with no savings and then all of a sudden you have $1,000 set away, you kind of like have this extra pep in your you step. You got a little moxie. Yeah. Yeah, for like, sure. You know what I would do when I ha I was broke, right? But I I remember the first time I put aside like 500 bucks because I was like, okay, this is for emergencies. And I didn't even read this yet, but it it changed me because instead of walking down the street, passing stores and be like, oh, I can never afford that. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I would walk past things and I'd be like, I could if I wanted. Yeah, dude, I you do know? the same thing. I do the same like, thing. I could buy that dress if I wanted. I and have, I don't want to. I have $500 in cash right now, but I don't want to because I, I have same thing. bigger goals. Yep. And right, it just changes like it. It changes makes you everything. feel like, ha, huh, I could if I wanted. And it, and then it motivates you to like save more because you like that feeling. Yeah, and especially since I got in, got interested in investing, I always see things as uh, if it's not something I can make money off of, it's kind of stupid. Yeah, it takes away from that, that goose egg. Yeah, I, I basically stopped buying things like, when I got got the most interested in investing. Because it's more exciting. It's way more it's exciting. It's way more exciting to watch your money grow yes. than to spend it on something that's going to give you temporary excitement. And exactly. I'm not saying never to treat yourself, okay? I'm all for that. I, in fact, I go back and forth all the time like, is this treating myself or is this being irresponsible? Um, and you really have to weigh that for yourself. But um, Well, I was telling my brother this a couple years ago, right? So we were, we were buying this coin called Ethereum when it was worth a couple bucks. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Nate, He's like, I don't have any money to do this right now or anything like that. I was like, hey, how about this? How about how about we both agree to do this? We'll just spend what you would have spent at Taco Bell tonight on Ethereum. Hmm. And we made thousands. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like just just from Taco Bell money. So you, you know, 
uh, I watch a channel called Graham Stephan. Shout out. Uh, he's got really good financial advice, too, if you are just wanting to be more financially literate. Um, and his whole thing, his mindset, which he's very frugal, and I don't know if I could ever be as frugal as him, but he's a millionaire. Um, but he, his whole mindset is every dollar you spend today will be worth $10 30 years from now. I think it was ten dollars. It will be worth ten dollars thirty years from now. So he thinks about like every time he spends a dollar on like coffee, if it's five dollars, that's fifty dollars thirty years from now, and that adds up over time. Right. And so he it makes him really think even about small purchases, if it's like if it's something he really needs or if it's worth it, because if you just put your money into I think like index bonds, um, you'll you'll have your money be ten, worth 10 times what it is in 30 years. Yep. Um, adjusted for the rate of inflation. That's not but it's very a boring, lot, Nikki. but it's very boring to do that right super, now. Super, super boring. It's not sexy. It's, it's not that fun. It does not make me horny. Uh, yeah, you don't get to go to Taco Bell My nipples tonight. do not get erect from it. Exactly. However, think of yourself 30 years from now. She's going to be like, thank fuck you didn't buy exactly. that latest makeup palette. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So I think about her all the time. Um, and I agree with that step. Step number two, baby step number two, is start the debt snowball method. Paying off every debt except for your house. And this is what Dave is famous for, this debt snowball method. This is what actually got brought up um, in our money management episode was that I said that I had a really aggressive strategy for paying off debt. It's not the same as this, but it made you think of this debt yeah, snowball, yeah. which is very He's similar. He's all about it. It's he about being aggressive with yes. attacking your debt. Um, and so... Ramsey supports the debt snowball method through which de uh, debtors pay off their lowest balance debt first rather than paying off their highest interest rate debt first. While this approach has been criticized, research done by Kellogg School of Management has found that the debt snowball method is generally pretty effective. The small victories give debtors motivation. So it's like if you're on a new diet or a new workout plan and you lose a pound or two right away, you're way more motivated to continue that plan exactly. than if you're just like gaining weight or not moving at all, right? Or dude, when I'm cleaning up a room, if I clean up like the smallest area first, it just motivates me to get the rest yes. of it done. It's the same shit. Same. Yeah. It's weird. Psychology plays a huge role in this, guys. Like it's not it's, it's not just practical like, oh, of course, well, if you do the math and you pay this off, da, 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 da. it's it's really, we are human beings. We are not robots. You really have to examine the psychology behind your choices. Um, so, And you have to realize that your choices are heavily, heavily influenced all the time by all things. Yes. By your, the commercials are, you listen to. As much as you want to think of yourself as a logical creature, you are ruled by your emotions. I'm sorry, you are. You exactly. are. You're ruled by your emotions. We're emotional creatures. We are. And when you step outside, there's signs everywhere telling you where to spend your money, how to spend your money, what, how to get a deal. Yeah. What the deal is. And if what... marketing didn't work, there would be a lot of people with no jobs right now. That's right. And if and if the bullshit didn't work, everything wouldn't be blah blah ninety nine. Yeah. Right. Why is it blah blah ninety nine? Because it psychologically makes you think it's the same cheaper. dollar that yeah. goes before it. If it's nineteen ninety nine. Well, that's cheaper than twenty. Yeah. It's always oh, only nineteen bucks. Yeah. But it's not. It's twenty bucks. Exactly. And so when he's talking about listing all of your debts, you're listing all of your debts in ascending order, including little ones like a, a little parking ticket here, um, a debt you owe to your parents. Maybe you owe your mom 50 bucks for a dinner three months ago. Or what You list all of them. And then what you do is you commit to pay the minimum payment on every debt. You determine how much extra can be applied towards the smallest debt. 
and then you pay the minimum payment plus the extra amount towards that smallest debt. So you start at the tippy tippy top, that $50 payment to your mom, uh, anything extra. So maybe you could pay off that whole one right away. And then you're like, holy shit, I just got rid of one debt. Yeah, exactly. And then now you have an extra 50 bucks and you apply it to that that next debt the next month, right? And once a debt is paid in full, you add the old minimum payment plus every extra amount available from the first debt to the minimum payment on the second smallest debt. And then it just snowballs, right? You apply the new sum to repaying the second smallest debt until that is paid off. And it what happens, they call it a snowball because you continuously have these extra this extra money left over because you're no longer paying the minimum payments on those smaller debts. You're now applying them towards the larger debts. And not only does this motivate you more having some of these debts paid off but it also you don't even realize oh my god i have this extra money now a month and you just you're in the gym you're seeing results yes you're seeing little baby muscles form little abs oh god i want an ab so bad oh abs would be fun i every time i try to get an ab it just i get like a half of one and then i'm like "Mm, time for chips (laughs) don't do that with your money don't go oh i have extra 35 bucks a month i'm gonna go buy a, a dress I'll get the blue corn tortilla chips. Those won't give me abs. No. It's like, aw. <laughs> Fuck. Put them in guac. It's a good kind of fat. That's a good that's a good fat. It's a good fat, right? Um, so the theory works as much on human psychology by paying the smaller debts first, the individual couple or family sees fewer bills as more individual debts are paid off, thus giving ongoing positive feedback on their progress towards Im- eliminating their debt. Yeah. If you have to dip oh, this comes up a lot. Yeah. Let's say I'm working on my debt snowball, right? Or like I have my my first step done. I got my $1,000 in an emergency fund. Now I'm working on my debt snowball. I got a couple of these debts paid off. But then, uh uh-oh, an emergency happens. I had to pay, like the AC went out. You're in the valley. The AC goes out. You got to have that AC fixed. That's an emergency. You're going to die. So that's an emergency. It's like 650 bucks, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say it's 650. Even if it's Christmas, because it could be very hot. Especially if it's Christmas. Okay, so then you're going to go to your emergency fund. You take 650 out of that 1000 and that's gone now. So the question is, do I continue doing the debt snowball or do I go back to step one and replenish that $1,000? And the answer is you go back to step one Love and it. you replenish the $1,000 because the thing is, is that savings is going to dwindle out. It's, it's soon going to be non-existent if you do not replenish it. And once it's non-existent, you're likely to go back into debt, which right. will defeat all of your progress. Right. So do the same shit again. Start selling shit. Work extra hours. Put some stuff on Etsy. I don't know. Whatever you want, whatever you have to do, get that $1,000 back to where it was. Do you uh, take away from the amount that you're paying towards credit cards? To not the minimum payments. You okay. always have to stay right. with the minimum payments, but, but that aggressive. extra, yeah. Okay. The aggressive part, yeah. yeah I put it back to those, cool. that thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, after you've done the debt snowball, you're like, "Holy fuck! I never thought all my debts were going to be paid off." And I think I didn't write this down. I should have written it down. But he he puts the average in the book. He talks about the average time it takes to get through these steps. It's something like two years okay so you know don't think that people are going through this lightning speed and you're all behind like it, it takes sacrifice and work but during this time you're developing all these habits like it's becoming second nature to you so good mm-hmm. that's a good thing okay so it's going to take like two years or and some change to get through those steps um on average but, but think about how recently 2018 was right we're right. in 2020 oh my it's god just, it feels like 
It was just yesterday. We got married over three years ago. Exactly. What the hell? So think about that, right? And like, oh my God, that was recently and I could have been out of debt by now and it's time to, you know, I don't know. I just think that's good. And that, that good debt is like a, it's such a weight it's on the your shoulders. I used to put my head down on the pillow every night thinking about how I owed money. It just makes you feel it, like, it's like dread, shit. It's like you terror. can never get ahead. Yeah. Like you'll never have the life you want. You honestly just get to the point of like, fuck it. Because you're like, well, I'm already fucked with debt. Yeah. So when you get paid, you're almost cynical about your money because you're like, fuck it anyway. Because my like, money fucks me anyway. Ooh, I've, I've done that on a diet before where like, yes. I'm like, fuck it. I'm already fat or I'm already, I'm already not losing weight. So I'll just eat chocolate cake. And that's what I'm going to eat. You know what I mean? Very unhealthy. It, it, it's, it's, that's why everything really is so psychological. Like this, this is entirely a psychological issue that people have. Like, yeah. Where they, they make money in America. You probably make. Like, you know, better than like the top rest of the world as far as percentage wise, like above poverty level. So it's remarkable that more people aren't capable of saving even 500 bucks, like you said. Yeah, because, well, a lot of people aren't willing to delay pleasure. That's the thing. Uh, We've we've just gotten so accustomed to everything. We want it now. Fast food. Fast. Like right now. I want it now. Right. You know, like me when I'm waiting for the Postmates. I'm like, I want it now. Yeah, man. And and. You know, when everything is psychologically tailored to get you to spend your money, you can totally see why. It's like, yeah, there's like I was saying earlier, there's it's not an accident. They put the the five ninety nine like it. They're they're doing it to influence you. Like once you understand that the world is kind of set up that way, yeah, then you can start to. You don't want to be a cog in the wheel yeah, anymore. You can see the code and you can start to fight back a little bit. That's what they call the rat race. When people yes. like talk about the rat race, like that's what it is. And and the majority of people are in it, you know, and mm-hmm. there's a reason for that because it keeps you working hard for the people that are out of the rat race. That's right. For the people who have assets. Yes. While you pay, you pay debt, they have assets. Exactly. They use your debt to buy more assets. Yep. It's, then, it's monopoly, man. You keep landing on everyone's properties. Dude. Keep having to pay out your asshole, but you don't have your own properties, so no one's paying you out their asshole. And then they get to print all the money, right? Yeah. Drive down the value of the dollar while they hoard assets that go up in value because the the value of the dollar has gone yeah. so down. It's wild. It's wild. Once you can get it to the other side, then you're like, oh, shit. What? I, you see it so clearly. You have to beat the yeah. game, and you have to play it to beat it. So once you're out of all that debt. You're like, hell yeah, I'm fired up. Okay, baby step number three is, fin- oh, by the way, I was saying whether I agree or disagree on things, I, I 100% agree on that strategy. That's on, great. On which strategy? The debt, the snowball debt, yeah, the yeah. debt snowball. It's, it's really good. Because my way was uh, paying off 50% each month. That's really hard, but if you can do it, and if you can like really get disciplined and sell all your shit and like, do whatever you can to pay 50% off each month, it's like it, it is also a snowball. It's like the next month I only have to pay 50% of this smaller amount and then yes. 50% of this smaller amount until it gets to the point where I could pay off the whole thing. Um, regardless of how you do it, getting out of debt, always great. I think it's great when you have a plan. The plan is the best part. The plan gives you hope. The plan is like, I can do this mm-hmm. when a lot of people feel hopeless. So baby step number three, you're fired up. You're going to finish that emergency fund because remember that $1,000 was a baby emergency fund. You want to be able to have three to six months of expenses in savings because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, a lot of we didn't predict this pandemic. A lot of people right now listening, like we've been laid off, you know, yeah. um, we've had income hits, you know, where that were, were, are totally unexpected at the beginning of the year. And we met with our 
tax team. They're like, how much are you anticipating? I'm like, well, I already have this, 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 this job. So probably at least this amount by mid-year. And all those numbers went to the trash can because no one predicted this pandemic. And that's kind of what we're talking about is like if you have three to six months of expenses saved up, you don't go into panic mode and get in tons of debt, um, which is so it's just so nice, like peace of mind to have. So figure out what it would take for you to live for three to six months if you lost your income right now and save that amount. So go in your budget, look at what your your uh, your you have to have that to survive. So yeah. for us, it's mortgage payment, mm-hmm. utilities, um, food, gas. Yeah. I think that's it. That's it. Okay, so those four things, I need to be able to cover those four so things. So now you're building almost like you just did with the rainy day fund and then the debt snowball, you're building a fund of your six months of expenses. Yes. Okay. So you have that thousand to start and now you're going to, instead of, now you have all this money because you, or not, you don't have all well, this you, money, but you have the money that you would have been putting towards debt. Yeah. You now have that extra chunk that you're now going to be putting into savings. Yeah. You don't get to spend it yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. We'll get there. But making sure you have this fund is, oh my God, we're all going to face something that you're going to need it you know um everyone in like within i think there's a there's a statistic that's like every single person within 10 years they'll face something where they're going to need a 3 to 6 month emergency fan pan, uh, plan yeah plan why can i talk yeah emergency plan and you're going to be happy that you did it um so do that and then do again this money has to be liquid do not use this money for investments do not use it to start a business there will be another step for that also, don't put it into like a CD. You'll incur a penalty if you have to use it. Don't put it into a Roth IRA. Don't do any of that, okay? Put, put it into a, I use a high interest, well, quote unquote, high interest savings account. It's not very high anymore. It's like 1%, but that's the highest you're going to get. Better than your bank's giving you, I'll tell you that. Yeah, true. I use Ally personally, but um, there are other, I think Capital One, uh, Capital One 360. There's a couple out there. Do you do some research? You could find one that has like a one to 1.5 percent interest rate. The interest rate doesn't really matter. Like you don't, you're not getting rich off of this emergency fund. It's just nice that they're gonna give you an extra 30 bucks or whatever. It's something, dude. Some banks are thinking about charging people just for having their money there. That's insane. Yeah, well, it's happening. it's insane that because the banks use your Damn money. Damn straight, to they use your money to loans exactly. All right. Well, let's fuck the banks. They're the assholes. Exactly. <laughs> they get bailed out all the time. Uh-huh. Anyway, I could go on a rant about that, but I won't. The point is, find a high interest yield savings account. Put your fucking emergency fund there. You'll be really happy to see it growing every month. You'll be like, oh my, especially if you're not in a state of an emergency. Another thing Dave says in his book a lot is the worst time to borrow money is when you're in an emergency. Yeah. But yet that's the time when most people start to borrow money Yep, because they don't have this set aside. So, yeah, do that. Do it. Let this money grow. OK, then you're on to be once that's set aside three to six months of, a, of an income of expenses. You're going to go on to baby step number four, which is invest the fun part. Right. Yes. You like this, this part. Is my part. Investing. Invest 15 percent of your income in retirement. You want to maximize retirement investing and be financially healthy for life. Oh, so boring to do retirement. Though. I know, but here's the thing. And I, uh, yeah, it's it's boring to talk about retirement, but I do like the way he redefines retirement. Um, the way he redefines retirement um, is retirement is not 
quote unquote, saving enough money to quit the job I hate. If you hate your career path, you should change it. Mm. You should do something with your life that lights your fire and like lets you use your gifts. Don't wait till 65 to do what you love. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people think that it's just, I got to work at this stupid job and that's going to drain you in other areas, not financially maybe, but spiritually, emotionally, like you don't want to try and start living your life at 65. Like find something you love to do for your career, but also save for retirement so you have choices later. So um, he says, Retirement means investing with the goal of security. Security means choices, meaning that work is an option. You can, once you're in retirement, you can choose to work or you can choose to go build houses for people in a different country or- Yeah, whatever feels go, you. Yeah, you can, you can choose to go take piano lessons, you know, get whatever you want. You get choices when you have security. Um, so reach the point where your money works harder than you do. I 100% agree with this. I like this a lot. Um, also, when you don't have any payments except for a house payment, oh yeah, all that debt, then the debt snowball, yeah. that's not including your house payment. Everything except for your mortgage. Gotcha. He does very much emphasize that you should get onto a 15 year mortgage payment plan. But um, He's so emphatic about that. I've he's heard him very say emphatic about that. I have thoughts on that that I'll get to later. But, um, but that debt snowball is not including your mortgage. So don't think that you have to wait till all that's done. Okay. I just always hear him go, cut up your credit cards. <laughs> just get rid of him. He's got kind of a NASCAR vibe. Oh, I have never heard of. I've never heard the radio oh, yeah. show. Yeah. Off the listen. Um, but when you don't have any payments but a house payment and you have three to six months worth of expenses and savings, it's easier to invest heavily. Why not invest more than fifteen percent? Well, you need some of the income for the other two steps that were that he talks about, which is college savings for the for your kids and then fin finishing paying off your house. And then why not invest? less than that if you want to get those things done faster like some people want to get child through school faster or pay off their home super fast he doesn't recommend that that because kids college degrees won't feed you at retirement and he doesn't recommend paying off the house first because he's met too many 75 year olds with a paid off house and no money to eat they end up selling the home or mortgaging in order to eat or feed themselves uh, you need a retirement savings working that lets the magic of compounded interest work for you the sooner the better so don't try to cheat this. Just put away 15% and then we're going to use the rest of the money for other things. Also, um, when it comes to this retirement account, Dave likes mutual funds. He cites a 12% average return on investment in the long term. I'm not really sure on that. Some people have criticized that that's a really high average amount. But um, he says that growth stock mutual funds and looking at funds who have a track record of winning for more than five years, preferably more than 10 years, uh, will will net on average of 12% on the long-term. Not good short-term strategy, but like long-term. He has a, a whole like breakdown on his website at DaveRamsey.com of like what he puts his money in. Uh, but I don't know, I've, I've this is where I'm like, I don't know yet, because I'm not, I'm not there yet. I haven't seen what a mutual fund can do or whether that's accurate for me. I've been reading other books on um, Warren Buffett strategies and um, another one by John Bogle. He really wants index bonds. You know, so there's a lot of different strategies at this point. I just feel pick the one that you feel is the best for you for retirement, but pick something. Also, max out your tax advantages. Use your 401k if you have company matching at your job that yes. does company matching or God, 401k, yes. let's say they, they match the first 3% of your income, then put the first 3% of your income in, in the 
in the 401k. And then um, after the 401k, you're going to go to Roth IRAs. Roth IRAs allow you to save money for retirement tax-free until you pull it when you retire. There are some limitations on Roth IRAs, though, like you have to be in a certain income bracket. I think you can't make more than 200000 a year, something like that. Um, it might vary by state. I'm not really sure. Look into it. Okay, Google it. I'm not your Google, but I'm just nice. telling you the I'm steps. Not your, we're not your Google. I'm okay? not your Google, okay? <laughs> but I'm letting Back you know off. the steps. Um, and then he has, a, I like this part of the book too. He has a whole chart on like, what will it take to retire? Like, so based off the ROI, the return on investment um, and the rate of inflation, how much money would your nest egg have to be in order to retire on the annual income you want? So for example, if you want a 30K a year income to retire on, your nest egg would have to be $375,000. And then there's a chart like based on your age, how much per month you would need to save to achieve this by age 65. In this example, if I'm 30 years old, I would need to put away $163.50 per month to reach my nest egg by 65. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Crystal clear. There you go. That's your retirement. Step Baby step number, number five is college funding. Do this part also, like I don't have kids yet, so I don't really like have an opinion on this, but basically I'll give you the cliff notes is just do research on how much college costs uh, right now and then adjust for inflation. Um, me and Nikki are going to be doing research on how to, uh, how much it costs to send your kid to plumber school. Right. Because we're super into that right now. Or coding school. Coding school is yeah. pretty sick, yeah. Uh, you want your kid to avoid student loans. A lot of people are just up to their eyeballs in student loan debt right now. Just like try to help them avoid that. Um, just honestly take them somewhere and just breathe with them. <laughs> Aw. Yeah. Um, Give them a hug and breathe with them. You're the friends that are in debt. Yeah, that are yeah. in student loan debt. Yeah, Jesus H. Yeah, so Dave recommends only paying in cash for college or a scholarship. And he suggests uh, an ESA, or which, uh, it's an educational savings account. It's funded in a growth stock mutual fund, and then it grows tax-free when used for higher education. So if you started from the time the baby was born, I guess there's like a limit on how much you can put in, but if you started from the time the baby was born to when they're college age, you have more than enough to send them to like any college. Oh, I want. see. I was like, how the fuck could you pay for college with cash? But he's saying build enough uh, yeah. through this the money that you're putting aside uh, yes. to pay for your kid's college with cash. Yes. So okay. when, after that you put sense. away 15% in your retirement, then you're going to start doing this college funding. The, any money left over. I was just getting a kick out of th imagining uh, someone going to pay for their college and they're going, oh, I'd like to pay with cash, please. And they have a briefcase. Oh, you mean like a briefcase full yeah, of yeah, actual yeah, yeah, dollar yeah. bills? Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, no. <laughs> Got it. No, just like not on credit. Love it. Yeah. There you go. Um, so yeah, I don't. I got no experience in that field. That sounds legit. Um, this is for your kids, though. This is for, for you. If you're in student loan debt right now, we're not telling you go go pay it off with cash. <laughs> well, you would have had to pay that off in the debt snowball before exactly before getting to this step. Yeah. So um, I don't know. My aunt and uncle they um, have they have three kids and yeah. they put them all through college. Um, they paid in cash, which was really cool. Wow. Um, they paid uh, for their college. However, their kids basically took a loan out with them so like their Clever. kids are gonna pay them back that love money it. i love it that way their kids are not in student loan debt to the government yep. but they also aren't losing that much money on paying putting their kids through college. and their kids are more responsible about the fucking college thing man. yes so many people you know i gave my brother my car when i was uh you know I don't know, 20 years old, gave my brother my car and he blew it up in three months because he didn't give not, a shit yeah, about it's not it. His. He didn't buy it. Oh, I was so bad to my first car because it was bought for me. Yeah, And I, I know other people, I have cousins who 
go to college, they don't give a fuck, and they partied the whole time, didn't do anything, didn't learn anything, didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. Like, it's just such a joke because they didn't put the work in. So I like the I like the idea of yeah. I think our kids will pay for pay us back. Right. That's yeah, pretty cool, yeah. right? I, I I like that, and it teaches them to be responsible, also to like get a job. A lot of parents are scared to like have their kids work a job while they're going through college, but it teaches them responsibility. It ke- teaches consequences. Mm-hmm. Teaches uh, time management, money management. I, I'm all for having a job while going to college. Um, okay, so that's done. And then you're going to move on to baby step number six, which is pay off the home mortgage. So that's already oh, that's all the way down to six. You got 15% of your income working towards you in retirement. You got some going to college funding, like 2000 a year going to college funding. Now you're going to pay off your home mortgage. There's a calculator like I talked about earlier on his website, DaveRamsey.com, for um, how much money you could save by paying it off early. Um, by paying a couple hundred dollars more a month, you could usually get your mortgage payment down to the 15-year plan, which is... Sounds good, right? You save hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it, suck, it that way. Sucky's big time until it's been 15 years. And, and then, then you're, you're like, like I'm so glad fuck. I don't have another 15 years. Because yes. like us now, that's the difference between it getting paid off when we're in our 60s or when we're in our 40s. Wild. That's a huge difference. It's wild. Yeah. So I'm all for that. If you, uh, Once you get to this step, you should have um, that amount of money. He also recommends, though not having your mortgage take up more than 25% of your take-home income. And this is the part I get hung up on because, I don't know, our field is kind of, is different. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're self-employed. Yeah, and we work at we work from home, which is like, I know a lot of people right now, it's a weird time because everyone's working from home. But like, you know, working from home, um, I I really couldn't stay, because he's like, if, you, if your mortgage is more than 25% of your take-home income, you should downsize. But, I feel like because we're working from home, we're writing off basically half of our house to home office because they are home offices. Steve has an office and I have an office. should be fucking more even, frankly, because we use the whole house for (laughs) what we do. But, well, if it can be used as personal space too, it's not supposed to be counted. Right. Anyway, we'll get into tax law with you. But um, So from my perspective, if half of it is a business expense or is like a it's like yeah it's a business expense then really only half is personal and then in that case then yeah it is 25 percent of our take-home pay the last it really is half and we use our upstairs bedroom closet to film podcast episodes sometimes folks that's true the bonus episodes that go on patreon um if you go to patreon.com slash sticky you can hear our shit they don't tell you after dark where we get real sexy and real vulnerable it's very personal but um, yeah, we do that in our in our bedroom closet. We get we get use out of our home office. We do, yeah. So yeah, I I went back and forth like, oh, like it's definitely more than twenty five percent of our take home pay, but a lot of it is business expense. So yeah, yeah. Uh, figure it out for you. I'm not your Google, okay? We're Google not your it. Google, okay? Stop asking. So the last step, we're at the fun part is step number seven. Oh, so there's seven steps, not ten. Seven steps. Baby step number seven is build wealth. Yes. So that's probably the time where people are calling in like, I'm debt free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So finally, the fun part is uh, building the wealth. You have now all this extra money. If you are... You've already put all the stuff towards retirement and stuff. Well, maybe you have now extra money. You don't have a home mortgage. You don't have debt. You don't have... 
college payments. You don't have you don't have any of this. So it's just all fun money, right? So you get to use this money to either invest further. You could use this towards investments. It kind of gets to a that that part of monopoly where you combine the houses and you build hotels. It's like you already have the the house when people land on it, but now I can get more money from that investment. Dude, put your money makes money makes money. Boardwalk Park Place, man, get all the hotels in there. Yeah. My brother lands on that. He's fucked. And then Dave Ramsey um, suggests simple investments, just keeping it really simple. People get really complicated with investments. They end up spending so much money on money managers and all kinds of people to take care of the money and it ends up costing them more than it's... Just keep a simple investment, okay? So he says his mix is mutual funds and uh, debt-free real estate. So he Mm -hmm. pays for real estate and cash, not a briefcase full of actual dollar bills, but liquid cash, boom, no debt, real estate. Um, and he also uh, is like the other part of, of having this extra money is giving. So giving mm. feels good. And also this should be something you're doing along the way of your journey. Even if even at baby step number one, volunteering time, just like giving. Giving is just it feels good. It also is putting this energy into the universe. It's like you give you receive what you give. It's like a reciprocation. Yeah. Right. Like just get in tune with the universe. Nice, man. nice, like, nice. Universe will reciprocate what you're putting out hey, dude, there. We've done guided meditations on the show. We're we're That's already true. pretty woo woo. Okay, good. I'm woo woo. Okay, yeah, I like our mix of logic and woo woo though. Too, I, I feel like if you're one or the other, it's just too extreme. Well, and how cool is this? We just did this uh, episode about why you should not get credit cards, and we did a whole thing with Joe Jitsuko about how to use credit cards to win. So yeah, we go both sides. It's fun. We well, have fun. Hopefully, we've been pretty. Uh, clear in the explanations of those too because yeah you know i think for the like in general if you've had problems with debt get on the cash only side yes but then once you've developed habits and you're kind of out of debt you could build credit you know how to responsibly handle it right and if at any point you aren't responsibly handling it go back to cash yeah so i you know i get dave ramsey's method but also i'm like "Mm, you know take i'll take what works for me and i'll Exactly. You know, leave the rest. But um, but yeah, well, he talks about all these stories about giving it. And I'm just like, man, I wish I, I want to get to that point. Yeah. Or he talks about this one Santa Claus guy who would um, who started this tradition of just like giving away hundred dollar bills on Christmas. He would dress in Santa suit and he would just give hundred dollar bills to people that he thought could use it or just random people. And Dude, I hear a couple stories of that every year. People going into Walmart and buying everything on layaway for yeah. everybody who has their stuff on layaway because it's usually people who are in financial yeah. Situations. So I hear that every year. I yeah, love people that. like that who are, yeah, it's pretty just, like, awesome. It feels good must. to gift people stuff, yeah. you know? I like that a lot. I mean, currently, um, you know, I'm not at this step, but I always try to make it a point to donate a certain percentage of my income towards different charities. And the charities switch up all the time yeah. every year. But, um, but yeah, it just feels good. Yeah, for sure. Because you're like, I'm making a, a difference outside of myself, yes. you know, outside of my personal gain. That's what it's all for. Yeah. Anyway, well, wow, we just wrapped up at almost exactly an hour. I was expecting this that? to go way over. Well, but, um, yeah, in general, overall, I really enjoyed this book. I think it was solid advice. Um, there are parts of it where I'm like, he has stories of, oh, if you can't afford this, go live in a tiny house until you can. And sometimes, like for me personally, I'm more motivated by having a little extra push of fear to like make me make more money. Yeah. But in the long, I mean, in the overall in the overall grand scheme of this book, I I agree. Yeah, and when, you know, anytime anybody's giving you advice, you take what sounds good, you don't, what doesn't sound good. Like, it's just, yeah. it's all about tailoring experience for you. The biggest part, though, is the mindset. I'm telling I you, agree. if you are going to 
try this out, you cannot half-ass it. You cannot be like, well, I'll dip my toes in. You have to be like, I'm making a decision right now. I'm going to commit to it. It's going to happen no matter what. He calls it gazelle-like focus yeah. or gazelle. Is it gazelle or gazelle? Gazelle-like focus. Where he uses this example that like when a cheetah comes to try to eat a gazelle, he only is successful one out of 10 times because mm. most of the gazelles, they, they sense the cheetah and then they scatter They're and they springy, like they just man. run. Yeah. yeah. And they get away. They got pogo so you have legs. to have gazelle-like focus to get away from the cheetah. Otherwise, you're going to get swallowed by that cheetah. He's right because there's so many credit card cheetahs out there. There are. Trying to get you. Yeah. And so I, I truly believe, and this is not just for this, but for any goal. If you're going to jump in, you need to commit full force or you're not going to see the results you want. Start to see the math too, man. When you turn on the TV and Samuel L. Jackson's shilling credit cards at you. It's, it's time it's yeah. time to see how you get worked. And right? it's going to be hard too. Like when you sell your car that you really like to buy a less cool car and people are buying cars and now going to dinners and doing cool stuff and you're like, mm, do I really want to get out of debt this bad? Like you, you got to got to keep this in mind. Like you got to yeah. keep the angle in mind that like, yes, it actually feels really, really good to make these sacrifices for a couple years and then live like how you want to live mm, i hear what you're saying but tina fey just had a lot of fun shopping with That's her true. with her with her credit card shopping is fun yeah and just ch- charging everything on it and it's like really fun you know what's like i like to gamify things i think that's how credit cards get you too is like you know making a game out of you get this many points if you spend it on this and this many points on that well if you make getting out of debt a game that's also fun I agree. Like giving yourself stickers or whatever the hell. I uh, would give myself a treat at the end of the week. You know, that little thing where you're like, am I treating myself or is this irresponsible? I would get a treat, but my treat was limited to a $5 maximum. That's right? Great. And sometimes I would just be like, $5 is a little too steep even. Mm-hmm. So I would just get a 99 cent little nail polish and, you know, I paint my nails and it made me feel so good for the week. Like I, I earned this treat. It gave me the same exact feeling as spending $200 on some clothes. I like your method of uh, going to whatever a website you like or Amazon or whatever, filling up your shopping cart and not getting anything. I love that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It, I've never regretted not buying something. Yeah, I just got- I've never gone like, oh, I should have bought that shirt. Never. I've, I've ne- never been in more financial trouble than when I was filling some sort of Void. Hole or void with purchasing things. Yeah. It was just stupid and empty. Yeah, it doesn't. And in the long run, you just fuck yourself. Yeah. You're just like, why'd I do that? And every dollar that I spent back then did shit for me in the future. Exactly. And that's what outrages me about it the most. It actually makes me mad, which is good because it, it it reminds me when I do see those things that I don't want them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, let me know if this episode was helpful for you. If you want more financial literacy episodes, I... I mean, we hadn't done a lot of them until like this year. I feel like we've done a a few and I think they're really helpful and it it improves other areas of your life when like you feel like you have your finances under control. Yeah. And even if now's not the time, it's about maybe building your mindset towards when it is the time to to do it. So do you know that finances is the number one reason couples get divorced? Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised. It's crazy. That'll eat you up. Um, so anyway, that's some shit they don't tell you. Yep. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Five stars, please, if you liked Thank it. Thank you. It helps so much. Also, tell if friends. Wanna, if you want to get some bonus episodes every month, we do um, a couple. We do a bonus 
episode of Should They Don't Tell You After Dark on our Patreon, on patreon.com slash sticky, we also do a different kind of podcast called We Just Woke Up where we do like a stream of consciousness thing. Yeah, after we just woke up in um, the morning. After we just woke up in the morning and there's some there's some little gems in there. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Figure it out. I'm not your Google. Go Google our We're Patreon. We're not your Google. Um, we love you guys. I Thank hope you for all... this episode, Nikki. That was really well prepared. Thank you. I wanted to do the best job I could. Um, also, just check out Dave Ramsey. And also, if I made any mistakes, let me know. I don't know. And I, also, um, I appreciate all the advice that you gave, but I heard that he's a pretty hardcore Christian, so I'm so not going to take yeah. the advice. So don't not take the advice. Don't t- go spend on credit cards. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Love you. Bye.